actually, how old are you? I'm, I'm 25. Oh, wow. 25 with multiple different platforms and an agency. That That's really impressive to me. One of the objections that I hear a lot is that I'm too old or I'm too young. And I feel like it's really just one of those things that's in our heads because social media has given us access to basically everything. Knowledge, the platform itself, and people who are interested in what you're talking about. And so you kind of just prove that doesn't really matter as long as you have that passion, you're interested, you can go for it and you can become successful at this. Cool. Totally. I 100% agree. Welcome to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Lee, and I'll be sharing industry knowledge and social media tips through weekly interviews with established creators and Q&A sessions. Our goal is to help you decode social media, become a full-time influencer, and do what you love for a living. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Full-Time Influence Podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Katie. Katie is a social media expert, and she has a presence on multiple different platforms. So today, we are really excited to chat with her, get some of her expert industry knowledge, and um, talk about where she started and all of that. So thank you so much for being here. Welcome to our podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tina. I am so excited to be on your podcast today. I have to admit, I was really excited when we first connected because I've been a big fan of your Instagram content for a while. So I'm just really pumped to be chatting with you today. Oh, that's awesome. I'm so happy to hear that because, you know, I've been watching your YouTube videos since a while ago, too. I would say like at least over a year ago. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. And then when you started a podcast, I started listening to your podcast as well. And we'll dive a bit more into that. But first, I guess, could you give us like a two, three sentence intro of who you are, what you specialize in, and all of that? So my name is Katie Steckley, and I'm a YouTube content creator and a digital entrepreneur. So in addition to my YouTube channel and my Instagram, where I share tips and tricks for other content creators about social media growth and, you know, photography, videography, that kind of thing. I also have an agency, which is called Creatorly Media, where we provide services for small business owners and content creators. So we produce podcasts, we manage people's YouTube channels, we create Instagram content for them. Um, So it's a whole range of of lots of different platforms that we create content for. um, And we provide strategy guidance as well. So yeah, that's me. Just a lot of focus across all kinds of different social media platforms and sharing my own um, experience and expertise on them. Yes, I hope we can touch more about that, like being across multiple platforms later on. But I have to say, when I started this podcast last year in like July, you had already launched your podcast services. And I was literally on your contact form page and I was about to fill it out. And then I was like but I need to launch it like in three days. Let me just push through and try and figure it out. (laughs) And so I ended up not um, filling out, but almost, almost. So if anybody listening is looking to start a podcast, Katie provides these services where they can do it for you. There's different packages, right? Different Mm -hmm. levels of doing it for you. And then they can help you launch a very successful podcast. Yes. Yes, we're totally here for you. And 
normally it is best if we have more than three days notice, but you know, we'd like <laughs> yes. to work quick if we can. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was like, this is totally unreasonable. I probably shouldn't even insult her with this kind of ask. You know what the thing is? I probably would have tried because I would have been like, <laughs> yeah, I want to work with Tina. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, okay. So before you had your podcast though, can you tell us about I guess how you started, I assume you started on YouTube and was there a reason why you started on YouTube and then how did it kind of develop from there? Yeah, that's a great question because right now I definitely am creating across a lot of different places, Instagram, podcast, and YouTube kind of being my primary ones, though TikTok is also kind of a side thing for me right now, but I, I did start on YouTube and I actually started on YouTube a really long time ago. I've been making YouTube videos since I was a kid, basically. So I started wow. um, when I was like 12 years old and my first few videos are very awkward and very cringy, but I actually started because I was watching a lot of YouTube and I saw mm. all these um YouTubers that I really looked up to and I loved their content, um, you know, especially like very like nerdy YouTubers because I was a very nerdy kid, but like the vlog brothers or like people that would oh, talk okay. about Harry Potter, or, like that sort of thing right, right. was what I was really passionate as passionate about as like a, a cringy preteen. So anyway, in my like small town where I grew up, there weren't a lot of other people that were like talking about Harry Potter and, and these sorts of things. So I kind of turned to making YouTube videos to be able to talk about these things that I was passionate about that my you know friends from school weren't really interested in. So that's kind of what first kicked off my YouTube journey. It was about finding a community and finding a place where I could like express my interests and um, yeah, like in a way that I couldn't really with people that I just knew in real life because most of my friends wouldn't just sit down and like let me ramble about Harry Potter. But, you know, a YouTube video would let you do that. So that's how I got started back in like probably 2009. Um, but wow. I started my current YouTube channel that I'm still on today in 2011. Um, so I was in high school by then. And yeah, I just at that point was pursuing it as a hobby. I really liked the YouTube community. I shifted away from like just talking about Harry Potter and I would make vlogs or, you know, talk about my life in high school um, and that sort of thing. Um, but it wasn't until I got into university um, that I started to think about social media as a career. So mm -hmm. YouTube really started out as just something that I did for fun. And at the time I had no idea like how it could grow into a whole job. Wow. So actually, how old are you? You Then you're very, very young. Yeah, I'm, I'm 25. Oh, wow. 25 with multiple different platforms and an agency. That That's really impressive to me. I mean, the question, one of the objections that I hear a lot is that I'm too old or I'm too young. And I feel like it's really just one of those things that's in our heads because uh, social media has given us access to basically everything, knowledge, uh, the platform itself and people who are interested in what you're talking about. And so you kind of just prove that, you know, age doesn't really matter as long as you have that passion, you're interested, you can go for it and you can become successful at this. So yes, really cool. totally. I 100% agree. I feel like it doesn't matter like when you get started or how old you are or anything like that, because in a lot of ways, I still feel like I'm just getting started, especially with the business side. Like I've been making yeah. YouTube videos since I was a kid, but just in the past like year or so, I've you know hired staff and I'm like learning what it means to be a manager and all that kind yes. of stuff. So we're all like a beginner at something, I feel like. Yes, that's so true. Yes, I guess that's a great lesson because for anyone listening, you might listen to us and think, uh, oh, they are such experts or they have a certain amount of authority in this area but for us too in various different areas that we are 
getting ourselves into, we're also learning new things, whether that's like email marketing or, uh, you know, building a website or running Facebook ads or something like that. There's always a next step and you, you never stop learning. And that's kind of the, the beauty of what we do. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's challenging and fulfilling. And then from YouTube, how did you decide to develop uh, an Instagram account? I assume that's what's next. Yes, that was my next step. So I feel like, like many other, you know, teenagers in in 2012, I got an Instagram account. At first, it was just for fun. And I think back now, it's so funny how I approached it. Because at the time, I was actually really big on Tumblr, which is now kind of like an extinct platform. But I was really big into like the fan kind of scene on Tumblr. And I was used to like keeping that a secret. For some reason, I thought no one at school can know about my Tumblr. So then when I started an Instagram account, I had like a similar approach. I was like, oh, this is secret. I don't want anyone to know about it, which now just like seems so silly. But for a long time, that was how I like approached Instagram. I was like, I'll create this, you know, content, but only my like closest friends are going to know about it. Uh, But then of course, is that a fear of failure or is that like just embarrassment or like, why do you feel that way? That is a really good question. It's something I think about a lot, actually, because I had a similar feeling about YouTube when I first started too. And I actually think a lot of creators feel that way because yeah. I think for me it was kind of like embarrassment feel fear of failure because you almost feel like oh well I don't want people to know that I'm a YouTuber that doesn't have that many subscribers like that's right, what it right. was about for me because for the longest time I had you know just a couple hundred subscribers and I felt like that was a failure so mm. I didn't want people who knew me in person to know about that mm. I don't know if you like ever felt that way along your journey of blogging your Instagram of like it's okay if strangers on the internet know but like I don't yeah. want my friends and family to know Yeah, in the beginning, I think there's always this fear of failure and then doing it publicly and thinking that, especially because the the internet doesn't really remember, but then your friends will kind of always be there. And then if you, I guess the fear is that if you fail, then you fail in front of all your friends. But actually, I honestly think that the fact that you have the courage to even start is already very commendable. And it's very easy to use these Uh, smaller numbers to measure whether we failed or not quote unquote and I really don't think that's a failure at all even if you try it out and you're like okay this is not for me or you try it out and then you're like "Mm, didn't really go as far as I wanted to it's still a great learning experience and by no means a failure I think Mm-hmm. I 100% agree. I remember when I was in high school and, you know, making my YouTube videos and I would only get like 10 or 15 views. And I did like, I mean, most of my friends like didn't actually know about it, but some of my cousins did. Sometimes they would give me a hard time. Like, why do you spend yeah. all your time filming videos? Like, that's such a weird thing to do, especially in like 2009, 2010. It was a weird thing to do. Not a lot of people did. But right. at the time I would kind of justify it by saying, you know, I don't get a lot of views, but you know what? Like I've taught myself how to edit videos. I know like how to create content for the internet. Like this is a marketable skill. Someday I could get a job, you know, doing this kind of work for a business. And like little did I know I would eventually turn it into like my own business. But I think there's always value in it. No, No matter if you get a lot of views or followers or whatever, there's like, first of all, just the courage to try. And then like you've learned something new. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're listening right now and you haven't started yet because you're afraid what other people will think, this is your sign. You got to start now. Stop listening to those um, doubts inside your head because chances are most people probably won't look that closely and just give it a try. 
Exactly. And we will support you because we respect yes. the hustle. Absolutely. I feel like whenever I see somebody starting to transition their personal Instagram into like, yes. you can tell they're trying to become a content creator. I'm like, you go, girl. This is awesome. Yes. Like, I'm here for it. Same, same. And when I'm like shooting outside and I see like a girl dressed up within a tripod, in my head, I'm just like, Yes, you you do you. I'm like, yes, secretly supporting her, but I don't want to like make them awkward by looking at them too much or anything. Exactly. Yeah, but, but you're like, yeah, we're on the same team. This is awesome. Yes, yeah, because yes. for me, that was a huge transition with my Instagram. Like it was probably when I was still in university and I was thinking about, could I do this social media thing as a job? I was like, you know, I first started a second Instagram like for my business or whatever because right. I, I didn't want that judgment from my peers. And I just couldn't find like the passion to like run two at once when they were really both about me. Like it was kind of this weird balance. So then I eventually had to kind of rip off the bandaid and say, I'm just going to use my personal account and like try to grow that because that's yeah. clearly what I really want to do, even though it's awkward. And I just kind of had to like unfollow some of those like peers from university that I didn't necessarily, I mean, they could still follow me, but I was like, I need to get them off my feed. So I'm not thinking about them seeing my stuff and yeah. they can unfollow me if they want. And yeah, just kind of like dove in and went for it. Yeah. And so then what was the turning point for you? Was there a point where you were growing your Instagram or your YouTube where you started to see proper growth and then started to also monetize that uh, following? Mm -hmm. So for a long time, it was like very slow, small growth over many years of making videos on YouTube. And um, eventually I, I sort of just had a random, like at the time it felt very random video kind of go viral on YouTube. So I, I made a nice. video called like Instagram story hacks for creators 2019. And I posted that in February of 2019. And all of a sudden it started getting a lot more views than I normally did. Um, and that was really responsible for kicking off uh, my, my growth on YouTube and kind of what turned me towards talking more about Instagram and social media tips. Because before then I was actually like really trying to hustle to be like a travel vlogger. I would like make videos about, um, you know, like how to edit videos, how to film videos, yeah. all that kind of stuff. That's um, so interesting. Yeah. And then I just happened to make one video that was about Instagram tips because I had a bunch of people actually on Instagram asking me how I did these certain things with my story. So I made a video just like quick tutorials on like how to do these cool little like story tricks. Um, and then that really popped off. So then I kind of became like the Instagram girl on YouTube, yeah. which I definitely didn't expect. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely how I found you. I think it was through a couple videos, like how to grow and then also how to increase engagement. And I just, I just watched it and I was like, oh, Katie gives very practical, realistic advice. And I think it, people can really appreciate that because in this social media guru world, you hear too often people who give like phony advice or just advice that is a little too focused on um, trying to grow fast, but th mm -hmm. that's not, not as realistic yet as just setting strong foundations, providing value and all of the other tips that you have shared as well. Yeah, exactly. I feel like so many Instagram gurus and like other social media gurus too, almost like treat Instagram growth like it's a video game like you just need mm. the right cheat codes and then you can like increase your follower count or increase your engagement rate and I think like people need to think about it as like you're actually making content for real people you're not just like mm -hmm. trying to 
put in the right inputs in order to see these numbers come back. Like those numbers are the result of creating content that people actually like. So I feel like people, I don't know, because it's so metrics focused, it's, it's easy to kind of like have that connection broken and just think, okay, what am I doing to get more followers rather than like, how can I make good content that people would actually want to follow me for? And it's just a space where there's a lot of people, I don't know, sharing like not so helpful advice. So I try to break through that a little bit. Yeah. And I feel like you do too. Yeah, I definitely sense that from you. And and I think it's very important to to sort of say that because otherwise I think people might go into it with very high expectations. And then when they don't immediately hit those um, expectations, they are disappointed and they give up. But the thing is, maybe if you just be a little more consistent and you work on more consistently improving your content, then you will have that breakthrough point or the point where things start to change and compound kind of like your YouTube channel, you know, you created it for a long time. And then one of the videos really took off. And from there, you gained a lot more traction, right? Mm -hmm, Exactly. And I feel like it's all about building that foundation. And I, I feel like this, you know, might not be the most relatable thing, but I always like to use like the baseball metaphor of like, if you want to hit home runs, you just need to get up to bat more often, because if you Mm. only get up to bat, and, you know, in the metaphor that's posting a piece of content every right. so often, then, yeah, yeah you're probably going to mostly hit singles or you might strike out. But if you get up to bat consistently every single day, that just increases your chances of hitting a home run. And I had been getting up to bat every week on YouTube for yes. years before I yes. hit a home run. That's amazing. Yeah, I really, really love that. Um, and then from there, how did you decide to then branch out into podcasts? I assume that was your next step or was there another something else? Yeah, no, podcasting was definitely the next step. So I don't know, it was kind of an interesting journey to starting my show, The Creator Club Podcast. So I actually had a podcast with a friend while I was um, in university. So me and my friend, who's also named Katie, which is kind of funny. So it was like Katie and Katie's podcast. We actually started um, just a little local show that was called Bossy Women, where Mm. we interviewed local female entrepreneurs about their story, like how they got started. So we would actually, you know, this is way pre-pandemic. So we would actually go in person and interview people at their business and all that kind of stuff. And it was great for us just as students to get to meet a lot of people in the community. And, you know, like people appreciate um, that that kind of recognition when it's like, you know, small city, like business owner kind of thing. So that was my first introduction to podcasting. And it was a lot of fun just like meeting people, working on a project as a team. Um, But then basically after university, we both, you know, started our like full-time work. And so that project kind of took a pause. And then from that, that's kind of what inspired me actually to start editing podcasts for other people. So that was kind of my other step on the road to starting my own. So even after like Bossy Women had kind of taken a break, I was getting podcast editing gigs through some of the business owners that we had met. So kind of in the community, Mm. people knew, oh yeah, that Katie girl knows how to edit podcasts because she does it for herself. So maybe she would do it for me. So I started editing podcasts for other people. And then I was like, you know what? This might be a good way to advertise my own business. Maybe I should start a podcast too. So that's when I finally started Creator Club. It was only like 2019 or so when I when I finally started my own podcast even after mm-hmm. being on YouTube and Instagram for so long. So right. yeah, that's that's kind of how how that got started and I've really 
been able to grow it a lot since then. And it's been a lot of fun. Like I feel like podcasting is very different than YouTube and Instagram. So I enjoy it. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? If someone is interested in starting a podcast and then growing it, obviously the foundations and having a clear topic and all of that is important. But once you have that set up, what's some of the best ways to go about growing a podcast? Because mm-hmm. I know it's so, slower. It's slow. I, I do think it's a real like slow and steady kind of grind. So and that's not like what people really want to hear. But for me, the biggest thing has just been being consistent over several years. So I started mm-hmm. it in like the fall of 2019, I want to say. And it's really only been um kind of the second half of 2021 where I've really seen a lot of growth and I've, I've got it to the point now where, you know, I can actually pitch for brand deals and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, wow. So I, I really do think it just takes time because similar to YouTube, podcasting is really a search-based evergreen type platform. Um, more and more, I think people are finding podcasts and like specific episodes through going on Apple Podcasts and searching for something because yes. it not only searches the show titles, but also the episode titles. So people can find like specific advice or, um, you know, whatever that they're looking for through search. So part of that is just building up your library of having a lot of different episodes so yeah. that when people are searching for something, you have a chance of showing up there. So I think right. that's been a big thing for me is just consistently posting, you know, showing up every week with a title, like an episode title that's highly searchable, something that people want to click on. So it's enticing, it's interesting, and then actually providing some good value when they press play. Um, And then another big thing that I I think has contributed to my growth has been being intentional about asking people to review my show. So Mm -hmm. another way that you can like kind of climb the podcast charts is um, having good reviews and ratings. Um, So that's something that I've kind of experimented with in different ways. So actually when I launched my show, I had a following on YouTube and Instagram already. And I kind of put it out there on Instagram that, you know, I'm going to be launching this new show. It's going to be called the creator club. And I would love to have kind of like an initial like team of, of people to listen to the podcast and like leave a review. And kind of ahead of time, I said, if you like, promise you that you'll leave a review when my show launches, I'll give you a shout out in the first episode. So I had like 20 or 25 people that had joined my little group chat on Instagram and said, yeah, I'll do that. So I sent them the link right away when it went live. Um, And in that, like in the actual episode, I listed all their names and I was like, thank you to my creator club. And, you know, so that gave me an initial boost of reviews right off the beginning. And I think that's kind of a a cute, fun strategy you can do if you have a community when you launch. Um, But then just in every single episode, I I ask people to review. I give shout outs to people who have left reviews. Um, Mm. I've played with like doing giveaways for people that leave reviews. So those are just like a few ways that that you can kind of get that engagement. And I do think it really helps with getting your show discovered more on Apple Podcasts specifically. Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. I love that you made a little group before even launching it. That's actually super, super smart. Um, okay, let's let's actually experiment with this. If you've listened thus far, please, please go and leave a nice review for us because the Full-Time Influencer Podcast will help to grow with your kind review and we really appreciate it. <laughs> it will only take less than a minute of your time and we will be forever grateful for you. I actually did listen to your advice. I was like, oh, okay, I need to get reviews during my launch. So I set up presets and I've never given or sold presets before. And so I set up a few presets and um, I made it a giveaway 
away and kind of teased a tiny bit before I launched the podcast. It wasn't like a full-on launch, like how I launched my courses, but it was still like um, letting people know. And then, so we got like a thousand podcast reviews during that giveaway because I guess people really want my presets. Um, And so that really helped us. And we were able to climb in the the marketing podcast ranks um, the first two days. So that's That's pretty cool. Yeah. But from here, I think it's just more, I just want to really invest into providing value on this and just do the the long grind. I don't mind it. I really enjoy speaking on this podcast and sharing information as I can tell you do too. Um, And so I hope that that will be more like my long-term strategy here. It's just like a fun place. I feel like podcasting is a little bit more casual and a little bit more personal than say Instagram or or YouTube. Even Even a YouTube, right. Yeah, you can just sit down and chat. And like what I love about the world of podcasting is like the listener retention rate is just like Mm. through the roof compared to any other form of content. Like most podcast listeners are listening basically till the end. Whereas on YouTube, if you can get the average viewer to watch halfway through your video, you're doing really well. So I just think that that's like, amazing how people and it makes sense right like when I listen to a podcast I press play and I'll let it you know I'm washing dishes or whatever while I listen to it um but it's just a great way to connect with people in an uninterrupted way right right and so then from there was it TikTok next for you yeah so I I guess I was kind of starting on TikTok around the same time that I started my podcast I got on TikTok probably in like Yeah, I want to say like 2019. Um, So I I was kind of an early adopter. I I had been on Musical.ly before because I always just experiment with like new platforms. But then when I heard people talking about TikTok more, I was like, okay, I feel like this is going to be a big deal. But for the longest time, I just used it totally for fun. Like I was just goofing off on there. And I feel like at the time, everyone was like, oh, TikTok's just for teenagers. Like no one's like on there. So that's kind of how I was using it. But then Um, definitely in like 2020 is when I started taking it more seriously, but I will admit I've been pretty inconsistent there because I feel like I go through waves of like being obsessed with TikTok and like posting a bunch of stuff and then I'll like kind of like go off the rails and not post for a long time, which also kind of connects, I guess I did a similar thing on Instagram a little bit because I got super burned out at the end of 2021, which I think is one of the things that when you are creating on a lot of different platforms, can definitely happen. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. So um, you were on all of these platforms. So what actually happened is you started your Creatively Media last year, right? Yes, yes. So I was originally just a personal brand for the longest time. And then I had grown to having a team of like six different people that were working with me. And I thought, I feel like it's time to have a brand for the agency. So that's when I launched the Creatively Media brand um, midway through 2021. Hey, I want to take a moment to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you're enjoying the Full-Time Influencer podcast, I would really appreciate if you could just take one minute to leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Your support really helps us to get seen and continue producing quality interviews and episodes for you. All right, now back to the show. After you started it, things went pretty well, but then you started to get a lot on your plate and then you experienced burnout. Yeah, definitely. I feel like basically midway through last year, all of that sort of like 
lockdown like pandemic fatigue I feel like hit me at once all Mm. through 2020 I feel like I had this really just like hustle attitude of like I don't know what everyone's talking about I'm getting so much work done like yeah we're stuck at home but like I've got so much more time to work so I'm just like I was really hustling everything was growing like it had never grown before and so I think I was just like running off of adrenaline and like completely ignoring all of like my growing like mental health issues and then basically halfway through 2021 it was like it all hit me at once and I was just so overwhelmed, so burnt out. I couldn't find like any motivation to create content. I felt a lot of doubt and uncertainty about the direction I was going. Like, oh, should I completely change my niche? Should I shut down my business? Like I I just was so like, I didn't know what I was doing. And it was only after going to therapy and having like several months of just like resting that I realized I don't need to completely change direction. I just needed to take a break. (laughs) So that was a big lesson for me. Wow, wow, wow. I can relate to that on so many different levels. I feel the same way. And I feel like I was trying to um, do a lot of things and go on all these platforms. And I was still also um, having students and helping students. And then along the way, I just felt so much pressure. It's also just pressure on yourself that you created for yourself. Oh, totally. Because Mm -hmm. you see that growth, you see the exponential growth, and you think that I'm going to continue this exponential growth. But the reality is, like, we are small teams, we're a small business. And who somehow made it okay to say that we should all be experiencing exponential growth year by year by year, because it's not really realistic. Exactly. And it's just like, takes you on the fast track to burnout. I mean, I feel like you can kind of like, get addicted to seeing those numbers go up and so then you like push yourself to do anything to make that happen like I I saw a huge amount of growth in my business from 2019 to um, 2020 because my YouTube channel had blown up my agency Mm. was getting so much more work like in in 2019 I was you know like working full-time hours on my YouTube channel and my freelancing and stuff like that but I think in the whole year I made like $20,000 meanwhile Mm. in 2020 my business blew up and I like cleared six figures and I was blown away and I and I thought oh my gosh this is going to keep happening forever next year I'm going to double and the year after that I'm going to double again and then yeah in 2021 I I did see growth but it was just modest growth just like Mm -hmm, good mm -hmm. you know what to to be expected um but not like the crazy growth I had like envisioned for myself and so it's just so crazy how you can feel disappointed even though the numbers still went up but somehow you're like no but it's not good enough but it's all like internal Yes. Oh my God. That's exactly the same thing that happened to me. And even though everything went up and by all like standards, like anybody looking at would be like, Oh, this is great. You just kind of feel like you failed because you're yeah. hoping for this like crazy result because you had it before. And so mm-hmm. it's like when you're investing in the bull market and then things go up and you think it's going to go up forever. And then it sort of takes a little dip, um, but you're still up overall. And so it's just a little reminder to anyone that growth is never really linear. You can have some days, even some years or many years where it's very, very slow. And then Mm -hmm. you can have a viral reel or a viral TikTok or a viral YouTube video like you did. And then from there, you'll start to see growth. But if it does slow down, it doesn't mean you have failed. It doesn't mean that your content now sucks and it, it doesn't reflect anything on you as a creator. It's just the natural ups and downs of 
being on social media. And if、mm-hmm. you can think of this as a marathon, like a long game, you know, it's a sustainable business. As much as people keep talking about, like, oh, influencers are going away, social media is going, it's not going anywhere. It's a, actually a very long term business, is what I've realized. And that you don't need to fear and you have to give yourself some grace and just stay consistent and always be in touch with yourself and give yourself some rest and be,、uh, remind yourself why you started. Exactly. There is just. Such a journey of like peaks and valleys. Like, if I look、yeah. back at my YouTube analytics, you can see there's these really high points where I'm like going viral, getting all these subscribers, and then it dips back down. But like、right. every time that it dips back down, the line where it lands is always just a little bit higher than where that steady line was before. But、mm. when you get there, it can feel like a failure because you just、right. experienced the highest highs. But it's like the valley that you're in is still at a higher elevation than where you were before.、Yes. And I feel like that's what you have to, you have to kind of. Kind of keep that perspective, and I feel like the hardest time actually to keep that perspective can sometimes be when you're growing so much because、yes. it can be addicting to keep on posting.、Yeah. Like, I'm kind of at a point right now where my YouTube channel is finally seeing another upswing, like, I'm posting more often, and like, my videos are kind of getting that higher performance again. And I had started off the year kind of promising myself, okay, I'm g o i n g to do two videos a week in January, but I don't want to get burnt out, so I'll just do one a week in February. But already, I see those like green arrows in the numbers, and I'm like, maybe I'll just keep doing two. Yeah. Week in February, like I'll just keep、yeah. going because you want to keep seeing those results. So I feel like it's such a tough balance to almost like stop yourself from like running too fast to the point where you just like can't keep going. I really believe that people,、uh, influencers, and also just creators on social media, we need therapy. And I think、yes. someone should create influencer therapy. I've thought about it as a business, but I'm like, It's too hard. You know, I can't do too many things at once, but I truly believe we need therapy because there's a lot about social media that, that needs just adjusting to. It's a little、mm-hmm. counterintuitive and it can take you on different mood swings. But, you know, obviously the upside is there's incredible results and lifestyle is amazing and you get to do what you love. Other than the days that you're burnt out and you're feeling terrible.、Yeah. <laughs> Let's be real, because we all have that. And it's just so much more fulfilling. So, yes, I really think there should be influencer therapy somewhere. Yeah, because it's just such a wild ride that, like, I've really appreciated when I've had chances to connect with, like, other creators, like, even this conversation right now, like, finding somebody that relates to the journey,、yeah. because, like, my friends in real life aren't content creators, you know, like, they just, You know, are regular people or whatever. So sometimes it can, you know, the, the thing is, you never want to come across either as like complaining to your audience of like, oh, like、right. this is so hard or, or whatever. Because、right. obviously there are massive benefits. Like, I, I've,、yeah. you know, I'm able to live this life that I've dreamed of, of like, you know, I'm converting a van that like I'm going to be moving into for the next few months and like traveling、yeah. around. I can work from anywhere. Like, that's such a huge blessing. But there's also like, as much as you can have these high highs, there's also like super low lows where, You just, yeah, feel like your worth is determined by these external numbers, and it's really hard to disconnect yourself from that. Right, right. And so it's very important to speak to other people in this area. Hopefully, you know, build a community that you can communicate those feelings with, because often it's just inside our heads. Because clearly the analytics show us that we're still doing well. And even if you don't look at analytics, you've probably improved a lot in your filming or your photography or your storytelling. But then we don't measure those. We just measure the numbers that we see on a dashboard. So it's not very healthy.、Exactly. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. 
And so then how do you actually juggle so many different platforms and keep up with these different formats that you need to to create? Can you give us some advice on how you approach it? Mm -hmm, For sure. So I feel like just from, I guess I'll start with sort of like the soft skills side and then I'll go into some like practical, tangible stuff. I think like in terms of mindset, you need to go in feeling um, some compassion for yourself, low expectations and not like feeling like, okay, I need to check all these boxes. Cause I think the yeah. temptation is I need to be on a million platforms. I need to make perfect content on all of them. I think as soon as if you're a creator stepping outside of like, let's say you only create on Instagram and now you're starting a podcast or a YouTube channel right away, you need to let go of being able to be a hundred percent on all of them. You know, if you're only Mm. on one platform, you can give your all to it. But the reality is as soon as you do multiple platforms, you're going to have to, you know, balance your time and you probably won't be able to put as much effort into Instagram as maybe you did before, unless you're hiring help or or whatever. So I think the first thing is just compassion for yourself and understanding that, you know, this is something to balance. Like what you're taking on is like a big step. So I feel like that's the first thing. Um, but in terms of like tangible, practical stuff, the way that I manage all of my different platforms is I create a content calendar in Notion. So Notion is like my, you know, kind of personal organization app of choice. Um, but you could Mm -hmm. do this on like a spreadsheet or, or whatever. And the reason why I like to do it in something that's like not, you know, later or like whatever is because it's not platform specific. So I can plot out all of my ideas and see them all in one place, whether they're for my podcast, my YouTube channel, my Instagram, my TikTok, um, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so that's kind of where I start. And I, I also think it's good to have, um, you know, like reasonable goals and then kind of stretch goals for how often you want to post. So I sort of have a range of like, my stretch goal is I'm going to post like once every weekday on Instagram. But then my like reasonable goal would be like, let's say twice a week. So then I have Mm -hmm. a range where like, I'm not going to burn myself out by posting the maximum amount on every single platform every single week. You just kind of have to figure out where your energy is and then accept that there's going to be some variation and that that's okay. Um, And then I think there's also a lot to be said with repurposing content because you're on different platforms. You can like know for sure that your audience is going to be slightly different. Sure. A lot of people will follow you in both places. I know I have a lot of uh, people that are with me on Instagram and YouTube and my podcast, but there's also some people that just listen to the podcast or just see me on YouTube. And so you've got a lot of opportunity to cover the same themes and topics across your different platforms. And that's a huge help against burnout because you don't have to create something hundred percent unique in every single place. You can take a YouTube video and then flesh that out into a podcast script. And then you can break that down into like an Instagram graphic carousel. And then you can take that carousel and then you can take like the three main points of it and turn it into a little reel where you're like pointing to text on the screen. And you've been able to take that from just one concept or idea. So I think that's a really big thing to embrace when you are doing multi-platform content creation because it'll help you be way more efficient and it'll help you kind of have that brand consistency because you'll be talking about the same thing in different places. And, um, you know, people might like to consume that content in different ways. Some people might rather listen to a podcast than watch a YouTube video. So yeah, those are just kind of the first few ways that I would approach it. 
Yeah, actually, I do see people repurposing, and I don't mind it at all. Like, if I see a YouTube video and then I see it as like a real format, I would still watch it. And、mm. sometimes I just watch it because, oh, maybe I miss something, or I just kind of like the creator, and I still watch it. So don't be afraid to repurpose your content across different platforms. But speaking of that, I did notice something that was very interesting with yours is that you don't repurpose your podcast onto YouTube and you separate them. And I love that because I'm a proponent of that because I want to get into YouTube this year, but I don't want to post my podcast in on it in its full on a YouTube channel. Like, what is your reasoning behind that? People can go either way with it. I feel like for me. I started on YouTube because I loved the YouTube format and I loved the vibe of YouTube. And I think, as much as there are some podcast channels on YouTube that perform quite well, I feel like I go to YouTube for like the visual content. I'm there、mm-hmm. for something that is like made for YouTube, and I feel like my audience probably is too. So I just feel like ultimately the way that you present content is inherently different, whether it's in a Podcast or a YouTube video. I think there are some people that really、um, can merge those well. Like they can kind of integrate. Like I do watch some YouTube videos that are mostly just talking to the camera, and hey, that could definitely be a podcast. But I think for me, I really like to take advantage of the visual format and not like I, especially more and more. I'm trying to make it so my videos aren't just me sitting talking to the camera with occasional text coming up. I try to incorporate different scenes and B-roll and animation and whatever I can. So、yeah. I just feel like they're very different platforms, and so I try to like create. Content for the platform that it's gonna live on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No,、oh, that's interesting, and it's kind of refreshing to hear. I think every social media expert likes to preach about being very smart about repurposing and your time and all that. And I, I definitely agree. I think there's a time for that, but then there's also a time when you feel like. You know, you want to keep your podcast really just for your podcast, and then your YouTube separate, even if the topics overlap. And I,、mm-hmm. I find that cool too, because then even after I listen to your podcast, I would still want to go and watch your YouTube video and see how you present that information in a visual format. So,、mm-hmm. I think that's a great decision, personally. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like honestly, the balance there is like the difference between being just a business owner or like just an artist. Like、mm. the people that really promote this idea of like just repurpose everything, like make your YouTube and your podcast all identical. That's a great、yeah. business decision. But、yeah. if you are a creative and you're an artist, then like for me, like I really care about how my YouTube videos look. I care about the creative process of making them. Like I'm not just making content to be as efficient as possible. I'm making it because I really love to. So.、Yeah. I feel like that's that's always the balance of like some decisions you make because they're the best business move, and sometimes I make decisions that aren't the best business move. But that's like the the art that I want to make. Yeah. So then, out of all these platforms, which one do you like the best, and which one is the hardest? Oh man, I feel like just in terms of like. Consuming content historically, I've been a big YouTube person. Like I've just always loved YouTube. It's kind of like my first love, and I think I also like making YouTube content the most. So、yeah. that's probably like my favorite. But it also is the most time consuming. I would say it's probably also the most difficult. I mean, for me, I've been. Working at it for years, so I've become more efficient. But I know for beginners, it's a big learning curve to start editing、yeah. video if you've never done it before. So, yeah, I feel like YouTube's the the most difficult, but also the most rewarding.、Mm-hmm. So that's、uh, the answer for both questions. 
the one you like the most and the one that's the hardest. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm definitely getting ready to brace myself for the challenge. And what I realized is I actually got a gig for the Italy Tourism Board to make a long-form video for them. Mm -hmm. And in that editing process uh, in December last year, that's when I realized I think I can be a YouTuber because I really enjoyed the editing. And then when the outcome came out, I was like, oh, I, I really like this. Like, I really like that you planned this script and then you try to lay over b-roll in all these interesting ways and of course this is not super professional yet but i already felt like pretty happy about the process and i think that's a good indicator probably yeah totally i'm so excited for your youtube channel i feel like <laughs> you'll be an awesome youtuber so that's just really exciting you know what's crazy it's like even if i've been in this um, industry for five years and i'm trying to hop into a new platform i still have a little bit of fear of like failing publicly and thinking like, oh, what if my channel is a flop? What if like nobody subscribes? Like I still worry too. And so I think maybe it's part of human nature, but more importantly, it's just like get over it and just go do it because how do you know you're going to flop if you don't try? You should at least try and then flop and then get over yes, it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And then you know what? There's always something to be learned there no matter the outcome. Yeah. How long did it take for you to grow to where you are at right now on YouTube? I believe it's over 100K, right? Yeah. So I just am past like 130K subscribers. And I, well, I started my channel in 2011. So I've been on there for more than 10 years, but my, all my growth really happened um, since like February of 2019. So mm. in early 2019, I had like 2000 subscribers. And then by the end of uh, 2019, I think I had like 40,000. Wow. And that was from that one video that really like blew up. And then I, I just kept making videos about Instagram and that kind of helped me keep growing. And then, um, so that would have been the end of 2019. And then in 2020, I grew from um, 40k to like 100k. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And so then what kind of services uh, do you provide right now with Creatorly Media? Is it for businesses or creators and what do you cover? So we work with content creators, influencers, and small business owners, anyone that is looking to share content with their communities online. And mm. we cover all kinds of different platforms, basically all the platforms that we talked about today. So we do Instagram content creation and strategy, um, kind of like creating a monthly package of Instagram content for our clients. And we also do YouTube channel management and YouTube editing. Um, and we edit TikToks for people. And we also do podcast editing and help people launch their podcasts um, mm. and all that good stuff. Wow. So you can actually take um, a creator's content and help them repurpose it on all platforms as an agency then? Yes, then that is definitely something that we have um, done in the past and worked with some of our current clients on is like, basically, they make a podcast, and then we turn that into a podcast, a YouTube channel and an Instagram. So all of that is definitely possible with uh, the services we provide. I see. That is awesome. So if anybody listening is looking to get some help on either just one channel or across channels, you can definitely check out Creatorly Media. They also have their own Instagram page, but you can also just head to the website, which we'll link for you here as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your experience, journey, and lessons along the way. And we really had so much fun chatting with you. Thank you so much, Tina. I really enjoyed it. Thanks again for tuning in to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. 
If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who could benefit from it. And I'll see you in the next one.